1947, the small town of Roswell, New Mexico, became the hotbed of UFO activity in America. However, other people claim that the small town near Colorado of Dulce is actually the epicenter of all UFO activity in America. Rumors of deep underground bases and wars with gray aliens persist to this day. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of the Dulce Base. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, frigid, but still moist basement. Somewhere in the bowels of Georgie. You just can't get rid of that moisture. No. You got a dehumidifier down here and it just stays dripping wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we had a snow threat this weekend and nothing came of it. Kind of pissed about it. It snowed at my house for 60 seconds. My wife was taking a nap. I ran in there all excited like a kid in a candy store. And she come out and she was like, it's not snowing. Why the hell did you Why the me? hell did you wake me up? I'm like, I swore it was. <laughs> I swore to God it was. <laughs> All right, we got a new patron, and we have an update on the patron. Oh, nice. So our newest Patreon patron is Kara Kruer. Thank you, thank you. And Miss Nicole Winningham decided that she was going to upgrade she decided to upgrade from the $3 sticker tier to the $10 beer fund. Man, that's amazing. Thank you so much. It was awesomeness. That is awesome. We had, I thought, a new... Yeah, we do. We're back in the top 200 in Mexico. <clears throat> nice. Just in case we didn't, I want to give another shout out to our... We may have already shouted her out, but Miss Ashley Kulak. I don't think we have. She's a new $10 patron. Awesome. That is about all I got to say about that. Well, you know, what can you do? We do appreciate, we had some awesome artwork done by one of our super fans on Twitter. That was cool as hell. Yeah, it was. And so we posted that on our social media, and everybody seemed to love it, and hopefully. Thank you, Miss Vaughn. That was amazing. We appreciate it. We got some. Good feedback as well. We got a beer delivery today from Mr. Terry Andrew. He was in the great state of Arkansas, and he brought us back some Arkansas beer. He's our beer man. He makes a beer run for us. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty That's pretty damn awesome, if you ask me. Anything that <clears throat> involves a beer delivery, I'm all about. Yeah. Speaking of which... What are we drinking? What'd he bring us? That's a good question. It's in my truck. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring it in because we, we weren't doing Arkansas, but uh, <clears throat> I can go out there and get it. I happened to uh, procure some UFO boarding pass IPA, which it's brewed in Boston, Massachusetts. So that's kind of far from New Mexico, but I kind of figured that... The UFO theme kind of fit with what we were going to discuss today. I have to agree. <laughs> we may or may not be talking about aliens at some point. Maybe. 
All right, let's jump into it. And we are talking about the Archuleta Mesa. And then what transpires around said Mesa. So the Archuleta Mesa is located in New Mexico near the border of Colorado. The town is synonymous with the Mesa in Dulce, New Mexico. And Dulce has a population of nearly 3,000 and is the tribal headquarters of the Icarilla Apache Reservation. Mm. You may have heard the rumors of the top secret military base known as Dulce Base. And this base is rumored to be a research and military facility located inside the Mesa itself. Yeah, and it's going to be home to some of the craziest claims you've ever heard in your entire life. And they're going to be made by a man named Phil Schneider. He's going to go around on like UFO uh, conventions and make, and do all these talks and stuff. And he's going to make some of the most outrageous claims you've ever heard. But the, the problem with him is, is he's got the scars to prove it. And he has the pedigree. He has the background. They didn't erase everything from his past that would lead you to believe he's some quack that just crawled out of the woods. One thing is, if you've ever watched the show, The UFO Hunters, the this episode they did on the Archuleta Mesa supposedly is the episode, according to them, that got that show canceled. Yep. So if you've not seen That's the seen one where it, they were followed. Yep. And they were filming the, the, the people following them. So... Rumors about the base began back in 1979, and there was a man named Paul Benowitz, and he operated a small electronics company called Thunder Scientific Corporation in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He was a brilliant physicist and inventor. He also had an avid interest in UFOs and was an investigator for the APRO, Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization. The Arizona UFO group founded by Jim and Coral Lorenzen. So from Paul's home on the outskirts of Albuquerque, he had, along with others, seen strange lights in the sky over the Manzano test range outside of Albuquerque. The lights seemed to appear almost every evening and to fly towards Coyote Canyon, also a part of the Kirtland Air Force Base area that included Sandia National Laboratory and Phillips Laboratory, both of which conduct ultra-top-secret government research. Now, how do you know that? I think it's well known. Well, then it's not very top secret. <laughs> well, the type of research they do is is not well known. <laughs> but anyway, in early of nineteen in early nineteen eighty, Paul became involved in observing and filming objects which he had sighted on the ground and in the air near Kirtland. He stated that his wife Cindy was also present to witness some of the first landings he witnessed and filmed in the Coyote Canyon area. On the 24th of October, 1980, he contacted Major Ernest Edwards of the Kirtland Security Police, who, over the period of the next few months, became concerned and requested the guards on the Manzano weapon storage area to report to him any sightings of unusual aerial lights. At the beginning of August of 1980, three guards reported sighting an aerial light which descended on the Sandia Military Reservation. <clears throat> I'm sorry, military base. Oh, my Lord. How no. dare you? Ernest Edwards reported <laughs> the sighting to Special Agent Richard Doty, unaware that Doty had already heard from Russ Curtis, the Sandia security chief, that a Sandia security guard had sighted a disc-shaped object near a structure just minutes after the sighting by the three Manzano guards. 
Doty included these reports and several others in his formal report, farting it to the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Did you just say farting? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he forwarded it, and I said farting. But <laughs> He forwarded it over. He, If you don't know anything about Richard Doty. I don't. He is a... Actually, I know a little bit. High-ranking... Asshole. Piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if you don't know anything about Richard Doty, you need to watch the documentary Mirage Man. Yeah, he pretty much drives... Um, What's the what's his Paul name? Benowitz Paul Benowitz. Paul Benowitz crazy, and Paul Benowitz ends up committing suicide because they just decide to screw with him hardcore style. And disinformation agent does not do Richard Doty any justice. He is an out. I don't know what you call it. Piece of you know, he's just a to to do what he did to Paul. I just find whether he was following orders or not. That's just. It shows a lack of humanity. Yes, pretty much. Like you know what you're doing to that to that person. You know you're torturing that person, and he has no bones about it. In the in the documentary, he's just ho hum. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, we 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 convinced him that aliens were talking to him, and he was the key to civilization, and just all kinds of crazy stuff they did to him. But from the point where Doty gets involved, many other people became involved. Benowitz was called to a meeting at Kirtland, and several Air Force officers and Sidendia personnel were present, including a brigadier general. Ernest Edwards had confirmed that, th- that the three guards under his command reported what was described and that the meeting did take place. Richard Doty and Jerry Miller a scientific advisor for Air Force Test and Evaluation Center at Kirtland, interviewed Benowitz in his home on the edge of the Manzano base. They examined Benowitz's films and tapes, and Miller, a former Project Blue Book investigator at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, determined that the films did show some type of unidentified aerial object. They also noted the array of electronic surveillance equipment that Benowitz had pointed at Manzano. Now, the office... Or I'm, yeah, the office of, it's the AFOSI, which is the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Yeah, of course it is. Declined to investigate further, but scheduled an inspection of Benowitz's data by personnel at Wright-Patterson. The office also did a background check on Benowitz. There are signed documents by Thomas A. C-S-E-H, I guess, I don't know. Commander of the Base Investigative Detachment to confirm this. Finally, there is the complete set of documents which were released by the office headquarters under cover of the Department of the Air Force relating to all of these described events. Now, in 79 or 1980, depending on what you read, Benowitz and Dr. Leo Sprinkle a psychologist and respected UFO researcher. I don't know why that cracked me up. <laughs> had been investigating the story, which a deeply troubled woman named Myrna 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 Hansen told them. She claimed that she and her young son had seen a UFO dri- while driving on a rural road near Cimarron in northeastern New Mexico. With her permission, Doctor Sprinkle began. <laughs> Hypnotizing her. Oh, my God. I don't know why that cracks me up. And over a three-month period, 
Benowitz and the young doctor heard a very unusual story. Under hypnosis, she said that not only had she seen several UFOs that day, but she had seen cattle being abducted. And she and her son also had been abducted and taken to a secret underground base where they saw the cattle being mutilated and drained of their blood. They also saw vats containing human body parts. She further said that some sort of implants were placed in their bodies and that the aliens could control their minds through these devices. Now, at the time, this has, to say the least, made her one of the more crazier people to claim alien abduction. Now, Benowitz believed her story, and he believed that it was connected somehow to the lights he was seeing over Manzano. He began filming the lights, amassing over 2,600 feet of film. Jesus. He also came to believe that he could receive signals from the craft that he observed. He built antenna and receivers to receive low-frequency electromagnetic transmissions that he believed came from the alien crafts. Benowitz called his mission, quote, Project Beta. I wonder what happened to Project Alpha. You don't have the uh, clearance to know, sir. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'll kick that up the chain of command. Sorry yeah, about that. It's a little uh, above my pay grade. So, yeah, it's a little above your pay grade. So those who have seen the films and heard the tapes of the low-frequency radio transmissions insist that there is no doubt that Benham, Benowitz was filming and recording something real. He would go on to write a computer pro- program that he claimed could translate these messages or transmissions. He now came to believe that he was intercepting the messages that the aliens were transmitting to mind control devices such as though such as those that M- Myrna let's just call her Miss Hansen cuz I'm butchering <laughs> that Miss Hansen claimed had been placed in her and her son. So on November the 10th, 1980, Benowitz presented his evidence this time to high-ranking Air Force personnel including Brigadier General William Brookshire. In the report of this meeting, it is noted that Benowitz was advised to apply for an Air Force grant to study these phenomena. Once again, however, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations declined to investigate the matter themselves. They're just going to leave it up to him. Yeah. So Benowitz was not going to give up. Besides the regular reports he was sending to the Air Force and also to the APRO, he was contacting U.S. Senator Harrison Smith and Senator Peter Domenici, as well as other UFO investigators such as Linda Moulton Howe and John Lear. So by 1982, the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization, or the APRO, had decided that they were going to investigate Benowitz's claims. They sent William Moore, one of their directors and former school teacher turned writer and ufologist, to talk to Paul. Moore had gained a degree of fame in the UFO field by co-authoring with Charles Burlitz the Philadelphia Experiment and the Roswell Incident books. So by now, Benowitz's story had become very complicated to say the least. He told Moore that the alien transmissions he had received indicated that two types of aliens had invaded the U.S., the peaceful tall whites and the evil grays. Which, the tall whites and the grays 
are very similar in look, except... I bet one's taller than the other one. One's tall and white. And the other one's one's short and gray. gray. But the the facial features look similar. It is the classic... Almond-shaped eyes. Yeah, when you think of an alien, it's that. It's, It's that look. But... Venowitz would claim that the greys were responsible for cattle mutilations and the abductions of humans, and that they had a treaty with the U.S. government that allowed them to build a secret underground base beneath Archuleta Peak on the Hicarilla Indian Reservation near Dulce, New Mexico. The aliens, however, would break this treaty pretty soon. So this already complex and multifaceted story gained an additional twist in that Bill Moore later stated in a public confession that he had been recruited by someone with the code name Falcon. And guess who Falcon is? Uh, Richard fucking Doty. And they had <laughs> done this to lead... They had done what? You didn't say what they did. He just said he was recruited. Well, he was recruited by Doty To do what? To go to Benowitz and keep feeding him there false information. Go. And this false information... That's what the people need to hear. ...was going to lead Paul down a tangent that was nowhere near the truth. Yeah, so essentially, they just start feeding him bullshit. And just to see... They're basically conducting an experiment on him at this point just to see how far they can take him and how much somebody can believe. And they really just feed him a, just a absolute shit ton of crap. And to <clears> say <throat> that they were feeding him disinformation is an understatement. This went on for four years. Mm-hmm. They had plenty of time to stop. Oh, yeah. And quit messing with this man. But they did not. No, they just kept pouring it on deeper and harder. Yeah, they chose to drive this man insane. So, Moore would state that he was asked to feed information, including a forged document called the, quote, Aquarius document to Benowitz. This disinformation included verification of Benowitz's beliefs about the Greys and the underground base at Dulce. Paul gradually became more and more paranoid, claiming that the aliens came through the walls of his house at night and injected him with chemicals. He began keeping guns and knives all over his house. Finally, he would have to be hospitalized for exhaustion. And ultimately, on June 23rd of 2003, he would take his own life. Now, people point out that this is not just some crazy disinformation campaign that drove this man over the edge that this actually has some truth to it because there was some credence laid to his story by a New Mexico state trooper named Gabe Valdez. And Gabe would investigate several bizarre cases of mutilated cattle near the Mesa. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone, if you haven't heard about cattle mutilations, then how are you listening to our podcast? (laughs) Like, you've got to be aware of it if you... You're even aware of us because it's it's a very famous phenomenon. Like, yeah, and Linda Moulton Howe made her name investigating these in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. But anyway, back to Mr. Gabe Valdez. He would state that these were not your run-of-the-mill catamutilations. He noted that he often found discarded gas masks and glow sticks at the scene of the mutilations. In one instance, 
he states that he found an unusual fetus inside one of the carcasses. According to Valdez, the fetus looked like a cross between a human, a monkey, and a frog. Now, circling back to UFO Hunters episode, there was a picture that they blurred out of this fetus. And that's when it seemed like the episode just kind of went to the end credits and that was it. Mm. And like you stated, they were being followed the entire time of the of the episode. There was a white van with tinted out windows. There was a black van. There was black SUVs. I mean, they're not just making up random yeah. people in the parking lot. These people, and then they go after, like they start walking to one of them and they like back up, turn around and leave. Yeah. So now we get to the meat and potatoes of our episode. Oh, that wasn't it? No, that was a co- that was just the uh, first course. Oh, wow. Well, let's get to it then. So we get to Mr. Phil Snyder. Well, let's let's when we leave let's leave Benowitz. Let's 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 sum him up. That I'm just going to say that yeah, they they did purposely feed him a whole bunch of crap to to the point to drive the man crazy. But my question is why? What, he stumbled upon he something true. He stumbled upon something that he shouldn't have. And it may have been top secret experimental yeah. aircraft, but... And they, they, I think they found the opportunity to, instead of saying, deny, 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 let's flood him with with bullshit so none so he can't believe any of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they attempted to flood him with so much... Information. Information and overload. strange activity that... Eventually, he would have an overload, and nobody would ever believe him anyway. Yeah, and the claims gradually, over the four-year period, the stuff they fed him gradually became crazier and crazier. And so by the end of it, he was questioning everything. Yeah, of course. And he was, you know, before he passed away, and even when this first started, he was very well respected. He was not some—he just happened to, like I think he said in one of the earlier articles— that was written about him, he just happened to see some strange lights and decided that he would start filming them. And then he used his background in electronics to see if he could capture anything coming from the lights. Yeah. And so, like you said, Doty saw this as an in and exploited his curiosity. Yeah, it was... They saw an opportunity to, to do multiple experiments, like to do an, a, a, an experiment on a man to see how far they could push him. They saw an opportunity to convince him that he was crazy that what he saw wasn't real you know it was just it, it was a very opportunistic thing that they had done i think there was multiple reasons why they did it and they accomplished their goal they drove a man insane yes they drove a man to kill himself that i i'm i think that was their their goal was to drive him insane yeah and the suicide i think was just the cherry on the top yeah i think so too Phil Snyder would burst onto the UFO lecture circuit in the early 90s. Phil was the son of a German couple, Sally Snyder and Otto Oscar Snyder. Phil was born on April 23, 1947 at the Naval Hospital in Bethesda. His father also had a controversial military life. He fought on both sides of World War II as a U-boat captain and as a U.S. captured spy. And after he was captured, the U.S. began to involve him in military experiments. He worked on the projects of the atomic bomb, the H-bomb, and according to researchers, he also worked on the Philadelphia experiment. 
Now, Phil would graduate with a degree in engineering and geology, and with his family influence, he worked for the government for around 17 years. And he built up a reputation for being a very, very good geological engineer and a structural engineer and served on military and aerospace projects. According to Phil, while in the military, he would help build two military bases in the U.S. And the first base that he would work on was at Dulce, New Mexico. Phil would meet his wife, Cynthia Marie Dreyer Simon, and marry her less than a year after they met in 1986. And in the next year... I am I am fully impressed with you. I'm just going to break in real quick. I'm fully impressed with you because I did a lot of research on him and I couldn't find nothing. <laughs> I couldn't find anything. He is a ghost. Yeah, they've done the their internet. They've done and like I, you know, off air I kind of told you, you know, you have you can't really just go out there and, and type in Phil Snyder. You have to go you, Yeah, you have to you actually have to dig around to find stuff on him. His videos are on YouTube. Which you, is amazing because they have scrubbed his, yeah, fucking everything. You can see his lectures on YouTube, but and there's transcripts of them out there. As far as finding accurate information on this man, I am I am highly impressed with you, sir. Thank you. That's thank why you, you the you. research man. Now, according to I'm sorry, let's back up. So he had they had a daughter less than a year after they met in '86, and so it, basically early 1987 they welcomed their daughter Marie Snyder, and by early 1990. Phil would start showing signs, according to Cynthia, his wife, of severe depression along with emotional disruption. He would become abusive, and this led Cynthia to divorce Phil in 1990. So his daughter roughly is three years old. Come on, Phil. I know. Don't get abusive. So Phil would leave, and he would move to an apartment complex in Wilsonville, Oregon. He began to publish a magazine called The Alien Digest with his partner, Rum Rummel. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome we've got some awesome that names in this great, episode rum runnel so oh. mr rummel <laughs> would publish articles in this magazine the alien digest under the code name creston in 1993 however rum was found dead in a park with a bullet wound to his head Ugh. and i know this may come as a shock to you coach and to our listeners but guess what the police ruled his death as? I'm going to guess suicide. Oh, ding, and ding, even ding, Even though ding. there was probably the gun wasn't even found and the... <laughs> yeah, Coach, I mean, how'd you know that? <laughs> Sounds like you, you've been around the block or two. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just going to... I don't mean to spoil anything, but... <laughs> With Rummel's death, this would end the magazine and this would plunge Phil deeper into depression and some would say deeper into paranoia. Soon after Rummel's death, Phil would also lose his father. So while cleaning out his father's basement, Phil would find letters that his father Oscar had wrote to him but never mailed to him. Oh, wow. In the letters, the truth... I I couldn't even freaking find his birthday. And you're finding letters? (laughs) What? Whoa. You're on a list, bro. I am. There's no way. It's okay. You're on a list. So is the uh, organization I work for, probably, but it's okay. That's amazing. Um, And according to what was in these letters, he states, Phil would state that the truth about how Oscar worked on the Philadelphia experiment would be confirmed. He also would state that he found documents and photographs of his father working on the Philadelphia experiment and Operation Crossroads. So you may be asking yourselves at this section, 
of the podcast. What is Operation Crossroads? Well, I just happen to have a little bit of information for you. It ain't something you need to be Googling. No. Operation Crossroads was a pair of nuclear weapon tests conducted by the United States at Bikini Atoll in the mid, I would say mid-1946. They were the first nuclear weapons tests since the Trinity experiment in 1945 and the first detonations of nuclear devices since the bombing of Nagasaki on August the 9th, 1945. In the documents Phil found, he stated that Oscar was responsible for isolating, removing, and performing autopsies on crew members that passed away during the Philadelphia experiment, as well as performing necropsies on animals that suffered radiation poisoning from nuclear blast tests. And this goes a little bit deeper than just people who passed away from the experiment, the Philadelphia experiment. He supposedly in the letters would state that his father, Oscar, was responsible for removing the officers and crew members that got stuck in the hull of the ship that was involved in the Philadelphia experiment. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused as why we haven't done an episode on it yet, but if you're not familiar with the Philadelphia experiment, you you really need to to do your own research on it because it is an insane story. One I happen to believe. Yes, I totally agree. I, I happen to believe that it occurred and it's insane. So. so Phil would also state that the photographs left by Oscar showed UFOs fleeing through mushroom clouds after the atomic bomb was dropped on the Bikini Atoll around 1946 in that so-called Operation Crossroads. So upon losing his father and his business partner, Phil decided he was going to expose everything that he had found while cleaning out his father's basement, as well as his involvement in the construction of the Dulce base. Mm -hmm. So now we get to the actual base. Yeah, the things that he's going to claim are, I mean, just insane. Like, you would look at this man when he's talking and just be like, this guy is so full of shit that his eyes are brown. Yeah. He sloshes when he walks. But the 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 proof, quote-unquote proof he has, is insane. Yes. So according to Phil, he had been employed by Morrison Knudsen on a project to drill four large holes that were joined together with tunnels. His job was to descend into the holes and study the rock composition in order to recommend further course of action. He was suspicious of the job from day one because of the unusual presence of military personnel. And by unusual military personnel, he would state, these were not your average privates. These were Green Berets and special operators. So during the drilling, the workers came across a large artificial cavern. And to give you some idea about this, basically they've drilled these holes and they penetrate what they first think is a natural cave. But upon inspection, there's nothing natural about this cavern that they find. The structure was huge and clearly man-made. And as Snyder was marveling at the cavern, he suddenly found himself face-to-face with a seven-foot-tall gray alien. Shocked and scared, Phil pulled a pistol he was carrying and shot the alien who fought back with an unknown weapon of its own. 
a gunfight broke out between more aliens and the military personnel. And during this gunfight, 67 workers and military personnel were killed. Phil being one of only three people that survived. Now, Phil claimed to have suffered injuries in the attack, and in his first videotaped presentation, he would lift his shirt and show a huge scar We're on his chest. Horrific scar. Like, I'm not saying aliens gave him that scar because I can't, I don't know for sure, but whatever happened to him was horrific and he should not have survived. No. He lost digits. He, yeah, he's got like thumb and pinky on one hand, and then he's missing a couple fingers on the other, and then his chest has the most horrific scar I have ever seen on a human being. That is a lie. Well, they'd have to be if it's a scar. True. <laughs> Dead people don't have don't get scars because no. they don't heal. <laughs> so this is Phil's own <clears throat> words, and I quote: "I shot two of them." At the time, there were 30 people down there. About 40 more came down after this started, and all of them got killed. We had surprised a whole underground base of existing aliens. Later, we found out that they had been living on our planet for a long time, perhaps millions of years. This could explain a lot of what is behind the theory of ancient astronauts. During this fight, a tall gray made, a kind, made some kind of movement with his hand, on his chest as if he made waves over his chest and a blue ray struck my rib cage knocking me to the ground besides the blue ray hitting his chest the what he called blue lightning cut off and burned several of my fingers and nails on his hand and foot and for over a year i would receive treatment in a radiation isolation therapy so let's just surmise what i've just told you <laughs> So, yeah, digest that real quick. So, there's... so according to him, <laughs> he drops through this hole, finds this artificially, what he appears, or what appears to him is a man-made structure underneath the ground. He is startled by a seven-foot-tall gray alien. He shoots said gray alien. The gray alien waves its hands across its own chest, and a bolt of blue-looking lightning flashes out. And basically rips Phil's rib cage open, severs and fuses the, the skin all in one movement. It cuts off and severs, I mean, it severs the finger and then basically cauterizes it all at one shot. Yeah, that, that would definitely have to uh, have happened because I'm telling you, just look at these scars, man. <laughs> and we'll post pictures. God. It's, how could he have lived through whatever happened? So he would go on to speak about a lot of classified subjects that had never been spoken on before. And this is from him again. Number one, part of what I'm going to tell you is going to be very shocking. Part of what I'm going to tell you is probably going to be very unbelievable. Though, instead of putting your glasses on, I'm going to ask you to put your skepticals on. <laughs> but please feel free to do your own homework. I know the freedom... I know the Freedom of Information Act isn't much to go on, but it's the best we've got. The local law library is a good place to look for congressional records. So if one continues to do their homework, then one can be standing vigilant in regard to their country. 
I love the country I am living in more than I love my life, but I would not be standing before you now risking my life if I did not believe it was so. The first part of this talk is going to concern deep underground military bases and the black budget. The black budget is a secretive budget that garners 25% of the gross national product of the United States. The black budget currently, and this was in the early 90s, consumes 1.25 trillion per year. Jesus. At least this amount is used in black programs like those concerned with deep underground underground military bases. Presently, there are 120 now, 29 deep underground military bases in the United States. They have been building these 129 bases day and night unceasingly since the early 40s. Some of them were built even earlier than that. These bases are basically large cities underground connected by high-speed magneto-levitation trains that have speeds up to Mach 2. That's hauling, dude. What's Mach 2? Let me look that up. Several books have been written about this activity. Al Bielik has my only copy of one of them. Richard Souder, a Ph.D. architect, has risked his life by, taking, or by talking about this. He worked with a number of government agencies on deep underground bases in or around where you live in Idaho. There are 11 of them. So he's given a talk somewhere in Idaho, and he's telling them there's 11 underground bases just in Idaho. So Mach 1 is 768 miles per hour, so Mach 2 is double that. Is that how that works? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's what I'm going with. So again, this is in Phil's own words. Quote, the average depth of these bases is over a mile. So Mach 2 is twice the speed of sound. Jesus. Underground, you're traveling twice the speed of sound. Yeah. So the average depth of these bases is over a mile, and they they again are basically whole cities underground. They are all between 2.66 and 4.25 cubic miles in size. They have laser drilling machines that can drill a tunnel seven seven miles long in one day. The Black Project sidestepped the authority of Congress, which, as everyone should know, is illegal. Right now, the New World Order is depending on these bases. If I had known like at the time... Hulk Hogan? Yeah. Like Hulk Hogan? Kevin yeah. Nash? Yeah. Too sweet. <laughs> if I had known at the time I was working on them that the NWO was involved, I would not have done it. I was lied to, and I was lied to extensively. Again, these claims at the time were so off the reservation of stuff that was thought to be going on mm-hmm. that it was mind-blowing. Yeah, absolutely. And and he knew what he was doing. He knew he was taking his life in his own hands. He knew that he was risking everything to say stuff like this. Yes. If it's true. Now, he would touch on... If it's true. If it's bullshit, it's bullshit. For the FBI agents that are no doubt monitoring this podcast, I in no way, shape, or form believe Phil Schneider in any way was telling the truth. Phil Schneider fell off a playground, a jungle gym, and cut himself. I knew you were going to bring that up. Because I almost said, if you had seen the movie, yeah. his scar is worse than what you saw. Yeah. In the campaign, yeah. Jimmy the Ripper, whatever. They... Oh, man. Yeah. So he fell off a jungle gym when he was in fifth grade. <laughs> and ripped his and ripped a good one. His, uh, his self up. 
Oh, man. End quote. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> all right. So Phil would talk about the development of military technology. And again, this is in his own words. Basically, as far as technology is concerned, for every calendar year that transpires, military technology increases about 44 and a half years. That is why it is it is easy to understand that back in 1943, they were able to create, through the use of a vacuum tube, a ship that could literally disappear from one place and appear in another. You know, and though I, you know, that's probably true about military technology, it's just so sad that as a species, there, there is only one thing that we have truly perfected, and that is the art of killing each other. Yeah. Like, we can do it in spectacular ways. And so much money is spent on military. It's just ridiculous, if you ask me. Which you didn't, so fuck it. <laughs> Again, this is Phil speaking. My father, Otto, fought on both sides of the war. He was originally a U-boat captain and was captured and repatriated by the United States. He was involved with different kinds of concerns, such as the A-bomb, the H-bomb, and the Philadelphia experiments. He invented a high-speed camera that took pictures of the first atomic test at Bikini Atoll Island on July 12, 1946. I have original photographs of that test, and the photos also show UFOs fleeing the bomb site at a high rate of speed. Bikini Island at the time was infested with them, especially under the water, and the natives had problems with their animals being mutilated. At that time, General MacArthur felt that the next war would be with aliens from other worlds. Anyway, my father laid the groundwork with theoret yeah, theoreticians <laughs> about the Philadelphia experiment as well as other experiments. What does that have to do with me? Well, nothing other than the fact that he was my father. I don't agree with what he did on the other side, but I think he had a lot of guts in coming here. He was hated in Germany. There was a $1 million reward payable in gold to anyone who killed him. Obviously, they didn't succeed. <laughs> anyway, back to our topic of deep underground bases. And he would go on to talk about the Granada Treaty between the U.S. government and the aliens. So back in, again, this is in Phil's words. Back in 1954, under the Eisenhower administration, the federal government decided to circumvent the Constitution of the United States and form a treaty with the alien entities. It was called the 1954 Grieta Treaty, which basically made the agreement that the aliens involved could take a few cows and test their implanting techniques on a few humans, but they had to give details about the people involved. Slowly, the aliens altered the bargain until they decided they wouldn't abide by it at all. Back in 1979, this was the reality, and the firefight at Dulce occurred quite by accident. I was involved in building an addition to the deep underground military base at Dulce, which is probably the deepest base. It goes down seven levels and over two and a half miles deep. At that particular time, we had drilled four distinct holes in the desert, and we were going to link them together and blow out large sections at a time. My job was to go down the holes and check the rock samples and recommend the explosive to deal with that particular type of rock. As I was headed down there, we found ourselves amidst a large cavern that was full of outer space aliens, otherwise known as large greys. I shot two of them. At that time, there were 30 people down there. 40 more came down after this started, and all of them got killed. 
we had surprised a whole underground base of existing aliens. Later, we found out that they had been living on our planet for a long time, perhaps millions of years. This could explain a lot of what is behind the theory of ancient astronauts. Anyway, I got shot in the chest with one of their weapons, which was a box on their body that blew a hole in me and gave me a nasty dose of cobalt radiation. I have had cancer because of that. I didn't get really interested in UFO technology until I started work at Area 51 north of Las Vegas. After about two years recuperating after my 1979 incident, I went back to work for Morrison and Knudsen. EG&G and other companies I also worked with. At Area 51, they were testing all kinds of peculiar spacecraft. How many people here are familiar with Bob Lazar's story? He was a physicist working at Area 51 trying to decipher the propulsion factor in some of these craft. Now, I am very worried about the activity of the federal government. They have lied to the public, stonewalled senators, and have refused to tell the truth in regard to alien matters. I can go on and on. I can tell you that I am rather disgruntled. <laughs> I would say the least. That disgruntled would be the least, I would An say. alien blew my chest apart. And I'm a little pissed about I'm it. Just, I'm just a tad bit perturbed. <laughs> like, I think that might be the under the most the the greatest understatement of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this comes from Phil. Recently, I knew someone who lived near where I live in Portland. He worked at Nudson Steel Fabrication, where they made railroad cars. Now, I knew this fellow for the better part of thirty years, and he was kind of a quiet type. He came in to see me one day excited, and he told me, quote, they're building prisoner cars. He was nervous. Gunderson, he said, had a contract with the federal government to build 107,200 full-length railroad cars, each with 143 pairs of shackles. Jesus. There are 11 subcontractors in this giant project. <clears throat> Supposedly, Gunderson got over $2 billion for this contract. I take it. <laughs> Beth, you want to know what, how much it'd take for me to be on board with this? You got it. Two billion. I'm on. Let's do it. I'll shackle the shit out of somebody. <laughs> Bethlehem Steel and other steel outfits are also involved. He showed me one of the cars in the rail yards in North po Portland. He was right. If you multiply 107,200 times 143 times 11, you come up with about 15 million. This is probably the number of people who disagree with the federal government. Not me. Again, we would like to state to the FBI van parked out front, we in no way promote or agree with anything being stated these by people, Mr. Phil Snyder. These people are crazy. God bless America. Merck! How dare they? No more can you vote any of these people out of office. Our present structure of government is technocracy, not democracy, and it is a form of feudalism. It has nothing to do with the Republic of the United States. These people are godless and have legislated out prayer in public schools. You can get fined up to $100,000 and two years in prison for praying in schools. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of... I've, I've literally mm. never heard that. Mm, I ain't either. That's not true, so... Okay, so what, back to it. I guess we're done with him. He, <laughs> he just he done lied. He... he <laughs> He had us, man. I was really with him. I'm like, man, aliens exist, this, that, and the other. And then he's like, you can't pray in school. Like, oh, son of a bitch. 
<laughs> if you think there's no praying in school, give a uh, unannounced test. Oh yeah, <laughs> there might not be teacher-led prayer, but there, I'm, I'm telling you, the FCA meets every day at my school, every day. And you know how many people complain about it? Zero. Not one person. <laughs> so I believe we can do better. I also believe that the federal government is running the gambit of enslaving the people of the United States. I am not a very good speaker, but I'll keep shooting my mouth off until somebody puts a bullet in me because it's worth it to talk to a group like this about these atrocities. Well, I hate to tell you this, Phil, but it ain't going to be a bullet. No, it ain't. So America's black program contractors is something that he would talk about next. And he would state, quote, there are other problems. I have some interesting 1993 figures. There are 29 prototype stealth aircraft presently. The budget from the U.S. Congress five-year plan for these is $245.6 million. You couldn't buy the parts for these black programs for that amount. So we've been lied to. The black budget is roughly $1.3 trillion every two years. A trillion is a thousand billion. A trillion dollars weighs 11 tons. Yeah, what, what I find fascinating is like just that the difference between million. a million, billion, and trillion. It's yeah. like, hold on, let me differ. Let me look it up. It's, it's really cool. The U.S. Congress never sees the books involved with these clandestine pot of gold. Contractors of stealth programs... EG&G, Westinghouse, McDonnell Douglas, Morrison, Knudsen, Wackenhunt, Security Systems, Boeing Aerospace, Aerospace, Lorimar Aerospace, Aerospatial in France, Mitsubishi Industries, Ryder Trucks, Betchel, IG, Farben, plus a hundred more. Is this what we are supposed to be living up to as freedom-loving people? I don't believe so. Okay, I, I love this. I always talk about this when we talk about the, when I was teaching economics. We talk about the budget and billion trillion. Um, just to put it in perspective for people that don't know, a million seconds is twelve days. That's a long. That's a long time. A billion seconds is thirty-one years. But a trillion seconds is thirty-one thousand six hundred and eighty-eight years. That is insane. That is a, like, that's a thousand centuries. No, it's 31,000 centuries. <laughs> Please leave that in. <laughs> that's like when I was like, it's going to be 104. And I you're know. Like, Man, that's like 90 What the high's going to be? <laughs> that's going to be like 90 degrees at night. And you looked over at me like, hey, dumbass, I just said that was going to be the low. That's the low. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a thousand centuries. No, dude, it's like thirty-one thousand. <laughs> oh man! So he would then speak on Star Wars and apparent alien threat. Chewbacca? I don't know. This is the first time I'm reading it, so I'll let you decide. Quote: Still, sixty-eight percent of the military budget is directly or indirectly affected by the black budget. Star Wars relies heavily upon stealth weaponry. By the way, none of the stealth program would have been available if we had not taken apart crashed alien discs. None of it. Some of you might think what the space shuttle is shuttling. Large ingots of special metals that are milled in space and cannot be produced on the surface of the Earth. They need the near vacuum of outer space to produce them. We are not even being told anything close to the truth. I believe our government officials have sold us down the drain, lock, stock, and barrel. Up until several weeks ago, I was employed by the U.S. government with a Ryolite-38 clearance factor, one of the highest in the world. 
I believe the Star Wars program is there solely is there solely to act as a buffer to prevent alien attack. It has nothing to do with the Cold War, which was only a toy to garner money from the all the people. For what, might you be asking? The whole lie was planned and executed for the last 75 years. Next, he would speak on a stealth aircraft technology used by U.S. agencies in the U.N. And this was kind of just a couple of sentences, and he stated, here's another piece of information for you folks. The Drug Enforcement Administration and the ATF rely on stealth tactical weaponry for as much as 40% of their operations budget. This in 1993, and the figures have gone up considerably since. The United Nations used American stealth aircraft for over 28% of its collective worldwide operations from 1990 to 1992, according to the Center for Strategic Studies and UN Report 3092. The next one he would speak on is called the Guardians of Stealth. There are at least three distinct classifications of police that guard our most well-kept secrets. Number one, the Military Joint Tactical Force, sometimes called the Delta Force or Black Berets, is a multinational tactical force primarily used to guard the various stealth aircraft worldwide. By the way, there are there were 172 stealth aircraft built. Ten crashed, so there, <coughs> so there were at least... Oh, I'm sorry. So there were at last count about 162. Bill Clinton signed them away about six weeks ago to the United Nations. There have been indications that the Delta Force was sent over to Bosnia during the last days of the Bush administration as a covert sniper force and that they started taking pot shots at each side of the controversy in order to actually start the Bosnia conflict that would be used by succeeding administrations for political purposes. He would go on to talk about the first World Trade Center bombing. And he states that I was hired not too long ago to do a report on the Trade Center bombing. I was hired because I know about the 90-some-odd varieties of chemical explosives. I looked at the pictures taken right after the blast. The concrete was puddled and melted. The steel in the rebar was literally extruded up to six feet longer than its original length. There is only one weapon that can do that, a small nuclear weapon. That's a construction-type nuclear device. Obviously, when they say that it was a nitrite or a nitrate explosive that did the damage, they, they're lying, 100%, folks. The people they have in custody probably didn't do the crime. As a matter of fact, I have reason to believe that the same group held in custody did do other crimes, such as killing a Jewish rabbi in New York. However, I won't further mention that with the last explosion in Oklahoma City. They are saying that was a nitrate or fertilizer bomb that did it. First, they came out and said it was a 1,000-pound fertilizer bomb. Then it was 1,500. Then 2,000 pounds. Now it's 20,000 pounds. You can't put 20,000 pounds of fertilizer in, in a rider truck. That would be very difficult to do. Now, I've never mixed explosives per se. I know the chemical structure, <coughs> structure and the application. <coughs> Jesus Christ, would you get that out <coughs> of your fucking throat? <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I mean, some of us are trying to do a podcast. I know. I'm sorry. <sighs> now, I've never mixed explosives per se. I know the chemical structure and the application of construction explosives. My reputation was based on it. 
I helped hollow out more than 13 deep underground military bases in the U.S. I worked on the Malta Project in West Germany, in Spain, and in Italy. I can tell you from experience that a nitrate explosion would not have hardly shattered the windows of the federal building in Oklahoma City. It would have killed a few people and knocked part of the facing off the building, but it would have never done that kind of damage. I believe I have been lied to, and I am not taking it any longer, so I'm telling you that you've been lied to. Well, what can you do? (laughs) Now, I know that we're on a huge tangent here, but we're about to wrap up his, and this is basically, we're going over his first uh, speaking event. So there's a lot of stuff to cover, and I do apologize for it being so long, but I felt like that we needed to cover everything that he stated so that you got a better sense of... Excuse me. Good Lord. So that you got a better sense of what he was talking about. And there are a couple of more... Let's see. There's four more things, four more topics that he covered. Two are very short, so we'll keep going. So the first or the next one that he covered was called The Truth Behind the Republican Contract with America. I don't perceive it that at this time that we have too much more than six months of life left in this country at the present rate. Well, we are the laughing stock of the world. He may have been off. By he may have miscalculated. Few days. Yeah, just a couple. We are the laughing stock of the world because we are being hoodwinked by so many evil people that are ruining this country. I think we can do better. I think the people over 45 are seriously worried about their future. I'm going to run some scary scenarios by you. The contract with America, it contains the same terminology that Adolf Hitler used to subvert Germany in 1931. I believe we can do better. The contract with America is a last-ditch effort by our federal government to tear away the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. His next topic was the statistics on black helicopter presence. And I would love to do an episode on the black helicopters, but there's nothing out there. Mm-mm. I don't want, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> nope. So nope. Here he goes. <laughs> Quote, the black helicopters. There are over 64,000 black helicopters in the US. For every hour that goes by, there is one being built. Is this the proper use of our money? What does the federal government need 64,000 tactical helicopters for if they are not trying to enslave us? I would doubt the entire military needs 64,000 worldwide. I doubt if all the world needs that many. There are over 157 F-117A stealth aircraft loaded with LIDAR and computer-enhanced imaging radar. They can see you walking from room to room when they fly over your house. They see objects in the house from the air with a variation limit of one inch Now, I worked in the federal government for a long time, and I know exactly how they handle their business. The next one he talks about, and this is something that is on the fringes of conspiracy, is the government earthquake device. And this is just a couple of sentences, and he doesn't elaborate. He states, the federal government has now invented an earthquake device. I am a geologist, and I know what I am talking about. With the Kobe earthquake in Japan... There was no pulse wave as in a normal earthquake. None. In 1989, there was an earthquake in San Francisco. There was no pulse wave with that one either. It is a Tesla device that is being used for evil purposes. And to be honest with you, if you look that up, it is rumored that they, the government has perfected some sort of Tesla device. Now, whether or not it's used on that grand scheme, I don't know. But that also goes to the energy pulse wave weapons 
that you can find many photographs that'll make you scratch your head. All right, so the last one he talks on, and I don't know how he's going to tie this in, but he states that AIDS was used as a bioweapon based on alien excretions. Okay. You ready? Get ready. Here we go. All right, let's... uh... We're jumping in neck deep. Yeah. I can't hardly breathe. Uh, The black budget programs have subverted science as we know it. Look at AIDS, invented at the National Ordnance Laboratory in Chicago, Illinois, in 1972. It was a biological weapon to be used against the people of the United States. The reason I know this is that I have seen the documentation by the Office of Strategic Services, which, by the way, is still in operation to this day, through the CDC in Atlanta. They used the grand, no, I'm sorry, they used the glandular excretions of animals, humans, and alien humanoids to create this virus. These alien humanoids the government is hobnobbing with are the worst of the worst. There is absolutely no defense against their germs, none. They are a biological weapon of terrible consequence. Every alien on the planet needs to be isolated. Saddam Hussein killed 3.5 million Kurdish people with a similar biological weapon. Do we, the people of this planet, deserve this? No, we don't, but we are not doing anything about it. Every moment moment we waste, we are doing other people on this planet a disservice. Right now, I am dying of cancer that I contracted because of my work for the federal government. I might live six months, I might not. I will tell you one thing. If I keep speaking out like I am, maybe God will give me the life to talk my head off. I will break every law that it takes to talk my head off. Eleven of my best friends in the last 22 years have been murdered. Eight of those murders were called suicides. Before I went to talk in Las Vegas, I drove a friend down to Joshua Tree near 29 Palms. I drove into the mountains in order to get to Needles, California, and I was followed by two government E-350 vans with G-14 plates, each with a couple of occupants, one of which had an Uzi. I knew exactly who they were. I have spoken 19 times, and I have probably reached 45,000 people. Sidebar, I apologize. I thought this was his first Speaking engagement. Sounds like this was one of his last. Oh, my God. I know. I've been doing so well. Okay, so back to Phil. (laughs) Well, I got ahead of them and came to a stop in the middle of the road. They both went on either side of me and down a ravine. Is this what it's going to take? I cut up my security card and sent it back to the government, and I told them if I was threatened, and I have been, that I was going to upload 140,000 pages of documentation to the Internet about government structure and the whole plan. I have already begun that task. Thank you very much. And that was the end of his lecture in May of 1995. Again, I apologize, but I felt like you needed to get the whole picture. All right, so I know that's a lot to digest, and we're going to come back to several of those points. But I wanted to finish up currently with an article that his ex-wife wrote. And this article was written by Cynthia Dreyer, and it's titled, Phil Snyder's Untimely Death. Untimely? Who would have guessed? Now, Phil would start every lecture with the following... and And he would say, I feel directly threatened, and before I am killed... I must reveal this material. If they ever say I committed suicide, you will know I was murdered. Wait a minute. So what what happened? 
What happened? Well, did he commit suicide? Is that what they said? That's what they say, and I think <laughs> so. On January seventeenth, nineteen ninety six, Cynthia receives a call that Philip was dead in his apartment and apparently had died up to a week before his body was discovered. At the time of the removal of his body, his cause of death was by a stroke. Mm. That's what they said originally. Hmm. So this is her speaking in the article. When I went to the funeral home, I had feelings of discomfort about his death. I asked to view the body, but due to decomp, the funeral director suggested otherwise. I wanted to be sure in my own mind that Phil had not died under, quote, unnatural causes. For the last two years of his life, Phil had been on the lecture tour throughout the U.S., talking about government cover-ups. You name it, he was talking about it. Alien treaties and abductions, UFOs, the one world government, black budgets, underground mountain bases, CIA involvement in civilian murders, drugs, stealth technology, the Philadelphia Experiment, Operation Crossroads, the Dulce Firefight, the Oklahoma bombing, the World Trader, Trader. Why do I want to keep saying that? I don't know, man. The World Trade Center bombing, missing children, Gunderson freight cars, the opening of concentration camps, martial law, UN involvement, man-made viruses, and earthquakes. A day later, I received a call from the Clackamas County detectives that the funeral director had found, quote, something around Phil's neck. An autopsy was performed at the Multnomah County Medical Examiner's Office in Portland by Dr. Gunson. And she determined that Philip had committed suicide by wrapping a rubber catheter hose three times around his neck and half knotting it in the front. Hmm. So a stroke. <laughs> yeah. So she is going to state several reasons why she believes that Phil did not commit suicide, but he was actually murdered. The first one she states is there was no suicide note. The second thing she states is Phil always told his friends and relatives that if I, if he ever, quote, committed suicide, you would know that he had been murdered. Now, from a number of sources, including his taped lecture, video and audio files, and statements to his friends, and the borrowing of a 9mm gun, Phil felt that he and his family were being threatened and were in danger because of his lectures. All of his lecture materials, alien medals, higher math books, photographs of UFOs coming out of the Operation Crossroad A-bombs, notes for his book on the alien agenda were missing. Everything else in his apartment was still there, including gold coins, his wallet with $100 in it, jewelry, mineral specimens, etc. No coroner ever came out to his apartment after his body was found. This is in violation of Oregon law. And a police investigation never took under consideration that items were missing from his apartment. It was considered a suicide, plain and simple. The medical examiner took blood and urine samples at the autopsy, but refused to analyze them, saying the county would not, quote, waste their money on a suicide. Hmm. Although I was assured that the samples would be kept for 12 months, when I asked for these samples to be sent to an independent uh, lab... 11 months later, they were missing and presumed destroyed. 
Phil had missing fingers on his left hand and limited motion in his shoulders. I believe that it was physically impossible for Phil to have held the rubber hose in his left hand with missing fingers and then wrapped the hose three times with his shoulders that had limited motion in order to end up with where his body was. He had to sit on the edge of his bed, wrap the hose around his neck, slowly and painfully strangle to death, and fall headfirst into a wheelchair. Philip was an expert in chemicals and his own medical needs. He had multiple pills at hand that could have ended his life quickly and painlessly. He also had a 9mm gun that he had borrowed to protect himself. Why strangle himself in such an unusual manner? That's a great question. Phil was very religious and did not believe in suicide. He had intense chronic pain all of the time. I knew him. At the time of his death, he was on disability. He had a housekeeper, and he also had cancer. The operation to help him with his back pain did not alleviate the pain, and he had brittle bone syndrome, or osteoporosis. He struggled every day not to die, but to live. He felt that the lectures he gave were making a difference and was looking forward to giving more. In fact, he was scheduled for another lecture tour that started on January 16, 1996, in Tampa, Florida. He had just found a friend who was going to help him write a book about the New World Order, and he was enjoying his time with his daughter. Phil was undergoing injections of beta serone every week in an experiment to stop his multiple sclerosis. After his death, I contacted the only agency that conducted these experiments to attain his medical records. They had never heard of him, and he was not a part of their experiment. This would suggest people unknown were injecting him on a weekly basis with an unknown substance. He oftentimes called me after these shots to tell me that he was too sick for his daughter to come and visit. I believe that the shots that Phil thought were being given to him to help him back to health were actually being given to him to make him sick. Phil was seen with a, quote, unknown blonde-haired woman for several months before his death. Several times this same individual was seen or talked about, and her mysterious presence only leads one to wonder if she had anything to do with his, quote, suicide. Several people with psychic abilities have indicated that Phil did not commit suicide but was murdered. Some say by five people, four men and a woman, four directly and one by taking out a contract. Hmm. It is perhaps important to know why Phil began lecturing. First, his background was a structural, structural engineer. He was an expert on explosives and their effect on geological structures. He worked under two social security numbers. Most of his early work in underground ma mountain bases with Morrison <clears throat> Nudson was not done using the wrong social security number. I was later able to prove that he had two numbers through the social security office when I applied for his daughter's death benefits. He worked for the Army Corps of Engineers and U.S. Navy with the same wrong number. Only after he obtained Social Security disability in 1981 did his real number come into play. He always told me that he had a rhyolitic clearance and that his father had a cosmic clearance from his work with NATO. And that is the second reason why Phil began lecturing. Secondly, on top of... His first-hand knowledge about underground bases and government black budgets and the alien agendas, his father was also involved in government black projects. When Philip's father, Captain Oscar Schneider, medical doctor, United States Navy, died in 1993, Phil discovered documents and photographs in his father's basement, proving 
that Oscar had been involved with both the Philadelphia Experiment and Operation Crossroads. Philip had letters written in the 40s and 50s showing that Oscar helped to isolate the crew members of the Philadelphia Experiments. He also had photographs of UFOs fleeing through a mushroom cloud after the A-bomb was dropped on a Bikini Atoll. Thirdly, I believe the main reason why Philip began to lecture was due to the, quote, murder of his friend Ron Rummel. I thought it was Rum Rummel. Hey, maybe it was a nickname. Hmm. We don't know. Maybe so. We're, we'll just stick to it, man. It was Rum. That's a good name. I do. I, I like Rum Rummel. So. However, if you read the detective's report on Rum Rummel's, quote, suicide, there is blow black... Blow, why can't I talk? There is blowback blood on Ron's hand, but no blowback blood on the gun. The only way this could happen is if Ron had wiped the gun off after he shot himself in the mouth. Ron, Philip, and five other people had been collaborating on a little magazine called the Alien Digest. It was starting to get a fairly wide circulation. When Ron was found in the park, Phil felt that his friend had been murdered, and he decided it was time to get everything out in the open, so he began, quote, spilling the beans and ripped up his security clearance cards. My hopes are that, one, Philip's death certificate will eventually be amended with the true cause of death, quote, murder. Two, that the world will come to know the truth about aliens, UFOs, the government cover-ups, black budgets, etc., and how they are affecting us. Three, that assets that belong to his only heir, Marie, can be located and turned over to her. Four, that Philip's true work quarters can be proven by people coming forward with information about knowing him before 1981 and that his daughter can eventually obtain the death benefits she deserves. Five, that no more, quote, murders by suicide ever occur to another individual. Hmm. So with that article, right right after she releases that article... Don't tell me she's killed. No, she's not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, after that, we'd shut this podcast down because yeah, we'd just... Like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, I don't... There was a I man, didn't want to do this case anyway because I'm worried about <laughs> getting suicided. But So there was a man that came forward named Thomas, Thomas Costello. God, Com- it's like I, I got me a new tune. Thomas. Thomas Cucutabo. Thomas Cucutabo. His name was Thomas Costello, and he came forward and claimed to be a security guard for the base, confirming that Snyder's report and added that horrific experiments were being conducted at the base by both humans and aliens. Costello noted that the caves in the Mesa had been occupied by reptoid aliens for centuries. He also started a firestorm with his claims with publications across the country reporting his story. Oddly, after Costello's appearance before the public, Snyder's family suddenly burst into the scene. After years of silence, family members came forward with claims that Phil was insane the media firestorm subsided and the fi- family grew silent again. Hmm. We've covered a bunch of odd shit, <laughs> to say the least. No. But if you do any research going back to what's actually going on at Dulce, there's some weird shit. And there's supposed video from a security guard out there. And if you've into this sort of thing, it's the one that shows the vats where... Supposedly there's alien hybrids and liquids and it's grainy as hell and it's like a blue. It's real jacked up. This subject will take you down a huge rabbit hole and it will touch on reptoids, tube shuttles connected to Los Alamos, genetics labs under Dulce, the Illuminati, 
a whole alienation in the hollow earth. A lot of people claim this, that the base under Dulce is getting its power from the hydro dams on the lakes near Dulce. And the uh, government is stating that all of these hydroelectric power plants are for the uh, Hickorilla Reservation. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. Likely story. <laughs> <laughs> but it is um, extremely crazy. And there's a, a whole nother tangent of this called Project Rand. And it was supposedly, this Project Rand started prior to a deep underground construction symposium back in March of 1959. And and according to this symposium, there was a quote that came out that said, just as airplane ships and automobiles have given man mastery of the surface of the earth, tunnel boring machines will give him access to the subterranean world. And in a 1983 issue of Omni, specifically the September 1983 issue of Omni magazine, supposedly has a color drawing of the subterrane, the Los Alamos nuclear-powered tunnel machine that burrows through rock and melts stone and cools it after it has moved past. And it is supposedly powered by electromagnetic power. They have sub-shuttle vehicles that can travel at great speed. There is also another top-secret project codenamed Noah's Ark, and then it goes on to claim that the underground bases on the Earth are small in comparison to underground bases on both Mars and the Moon. So again, this is a deep, deep rabbit hole if you want to jump down it. Good luck to you, because I'm telling you, I did not want to do this case. Man. I was worried. I've been worried all week. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, Coach did not commit suicide. <laughs> I can assure you. Now, um, in the what's that damn History Channel show? I was Ancient Alien. Yeah, no, the one that um, got canceled. UF UFO Hunter. Yeah, or? no. What's the one that got the guy with the glasses? I've been quoting it all day. It's UFO Hunters. Okay, we'll go with that. In their episode, they say there's seven levels to the base. And that the aliens are on five, six, and seven. And the aliens live on level five. And if, from what I could gather from the episode, six and seven are like the sixth and seventh circle of hell when, when you look at the types of experiments that are going on. Um, basically, they're saying on level six and seven that disposable human, human biology is going on. It's a little little out there and you have to take it with a grain of salt a man named william cooper stated that a clash occurred where in 66 people from the national recon group the delta group which is responsible for security of all alien connected projects were killed the delta group have been seen with badges which have a black triangle on a red background delta is the fourth letter of the greek alphabet it has the form of a triangle and figures prominently in certain Masonic signs. Supposedly, each of the underground underground bases 
have its own symbol. The dulce bass symbol is a triangle with the Greek letter tau within it, and then the symbol is inverted so the triangle points down. The insignia of a triangle and three lateral lines has been seen on a saucer transport craft. And then, according to... This is where we get a little... I know you're thinking, wait, hey, wait, man. Wait, 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 wait. This is where we get crazy? Okay. Says, uh, I'm, in, I'm ready, man. Inside the Dulce base, the security officers wear jumpsuits with the Dulce symbol on the front upper left side. The right. standard hand weapon at Dulce is a flash gun. I was I was with this the entire time till you said jumpsuits. Now I'm just out. I'm out. Nope. I'm not believing Delta Force wearing a jumpsuit. I don't think Delta Force <laughs> and Del- this Delta have anything to do with it. Oh. This ain't like the Chuck Norris Delta no, Force? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. So according to <laughs> this article, and I will post a link to this, and you can chase this rabbit as far as you want to, that after you... Or upon reaching the second level of Dulce, everyone is weighed in the nude and then given a uniform. Visitors are given an off-white uniform, and in front of all sensitive areas are scales built under the doorway by the door control. The person's card must match the weight and code or the door won't open. Any discrepancy in weight, any change over three pounds will summon security. No one is allowed to carry anything into or out of sensitive areas. All supplies are put through a security conveyor system. During the construction of the facility, which was done in stages over many years, the aliens assisted in the design and construction materials. Many of the things assembled by the workers were a technology were of a technology they could not understand, yet it would function when fully put together. Example, the elevators have no cables. They are controlled magnetically. The magnetic system is inside the walls. There are no conventional electrical motors. All is controlled by advanced magnetics. That includes a magnetically induced phosphorescent illumination system. There are no regular light bulbs. All exits are magnetically controlled. It has been reported that if you place a large magnet on an entrance, it will affect an immediate interruption. They will have to come out and reset the system. So according to this, the only the way that we can screw them is somehow we penetrate the base and throw magnets at the doors. No, thank you. You're not penetrating bases? <laughs> no, not today. It is a, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I, I got plans. <laughs> You're telling me hot wings and Tom Brady's more important than busting open Dulcie? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm with you. I, I just want wanted to the, make sure we were on I the same page. I don't want the phaser gun to split open my guts, man. People, when I say that this... Uh, website and article that I'm going to uh, post is a little crazy. That's an understatement. So let's go back, Coach. I know we've covered a bunch of stuff. Yeah, we have. Let's go back to, you know, we kind of put Paul to bed, and we both agree that uh, Richard Doty's a piece of shit, and that what they did to that man Unless is he's criminal. A listener, uh, uh, he's not a Patreon patron, so fuck him. <laughs> if he's listening, <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> No, we don't. Patreon.com. <laughs> slash well, one of us Bruce. does. I don't. Slash Mysterious Bruce. You ain't getting no sticker, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. What's your thoughts on... We're going to have to do this in steps. So, 
what's your thought on Phil's first story of entering the cavern? Because there's if there's a YouTube video out there that kind of describe like it has him speaking in the background and someone's animated certain things, mm-hmm. and I think that YouTube video and I can't remember the name of it state that the guy that saved Phil like pushed him into a like a some sort of tube like tube elevator looking yeah thing. some some sort of thing to get him out of there yeah and the only thing I can imagine like a coal mine yes that's like what I was about to one say of those yeah type things like, he shoved him in there hit the lever and then basically Phil watched that man die mm-hmm. so what are your thoughts on that first story well, I mean, it's probably the craziest story you've ever heard in your entire life, and you would just dismiss it completely. Oh, this guy's full of shit, but I'll go back to the scars, man. Something horrific happened to that man. And those wounds have never been, those wounds have never been discredited. Yeah, for whatever reason, when you see those wounds, you you think that that's consistent with an alien weapon? You'll go, yeah. Yep. Phaser gun could do that. Yep, like it is horrific. So you can't. I don't know if you can fully discredit the man. And I think that's where I fall on his story. I I feel like and this sounds crazy, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I feel like that part of his story is true. I don't know if the other parts of his story are reliable, but I think. And this is, I'm just spitballing here. I think if you believe one, I think you have to believe. I mean, if you're going to believe that he was blown apart by aliens, how you got to believe, believe that, the rest of it. Why would, it just. I think the, the whole thing that I un- uncovered about his father is extremely interesting, but there's nothing else out there about Oscar Otto Schneider. Mm-hmm. I also find it. There's a lot of corroborating evidence that would lead you to believe he's telling the truth, that he had this clearance. Now, whether or not, and he may have used his clearance to find the other aspects of his story. And that kind of makes sense now that I verbalized it. He could have uncovered all that other shit when he got pissed off and realized that he had been opened up by a phaser weapon and he had cancer. And his dad, sounds like his dad probably passed away from natural causes or old mm-hmm. age. But when his best friend is killed, I think that's what set him over the edge. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably did do a lot of, all right, I'm going to fuck y'all. I'm going to get all the information I can, even though it sounds crazy as yeah. hell. Well, and in the, he does lose me a little bit when he starts talking about, well, you can't pray in schools and you can't do it. Like, man. That clearly shows an agenda, you know. He has an agenda. Well, does he? All right, so let's think back on this, and I'm not trying to dissuade your opinion here. I'm just trying to think out loud. Mm-hmm. So was it in the early 90s when that, when it started with people being fired from teaching positions for praying? Was that a big deal back then? I can't remember, to be honest with you, because in 93 I was a senior, and our little podunk southern town they didn't they ain't getting god out of there i was in elementary school oh jesus <laughs> so you wouldn't remember i don't remember nothing. i guess that's my i guess my, and somebody can let us know if he would have had any credibility was there a law in a state or was there a law 
nationally that said that if you continually disregarded the no prayer in school that you could be fined up to that amount because I can tell you this, there's certain roads that I drive about, I drive down and I throw my beer cans at signs and it says if they catch me, <laughs> they'll find me $10,000. Oh lord. But I ain't never seen one of them $10,000 fines. I, I, you know, you see what I'm saying though, is it is he speaking on some a law that he read somewhere that said you could be fined up to $100,000 for continually praying in schools and disregarding mm-hmm. our laws and rules and regulations. I guess that's where I'm going with that one. The next one that I I have a hard time with with words. Well, that reading. too. You can't say shit. Math. The only reason you laugh is because <laughs> the power of my editing keeps people from knowing. <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows it takes me 45 <laughs> minutes to do the intro cuz I can't talk. And I simply refuse to, to write, write it that down. Shit down. And every week, oh, I would help if I'd write this shit down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get to the underground bases. So when he was speaking in 95, that's the one I read from. I should read my own notes more. Mm-hmm. At that time, there was 129 bases. Got to be more than that now. Yeah. But do you, how, what do you think about the underground bases? I think oh, that's totally real. I don't know exactly what's going on in them. I'm but I think you can say, take a train from DC to Area 51 and be there pretty I, quickly. I think so too. But I'm not going to say there's alien experiments or whatnot and all that bullshit. But there's definitely bases and there's shit we have no idea about. Well, it's like Area I mean, 51. Everything on. that goes on there is underground. There's nothing that goes on outside. Oh. And one of the there was a History Channel thing that, where they declassified some of the Area 51 stuff, and they said they used to take a Russian MIG and put it on a gimbal. On the, I don't know what a gimbal is. What's a gimbal? Where you can mount something to it, and you can spin it 360 degrees. Oh, and get, okay. I got you. I, know, I, I do know what that is. So basically, they would take this captured Russian MIG and put it on this gimbal on the runway during the day, and they would like just try to get every angle to see how they could better understand, Mm -hmm. recognize these. But they knew when the satellites were coming over and they would purposefully go out there and put a, it was like a wooden diagram of like the SR-71 on this gimbal so that it looked like a plane sitting on the runway at the exact same spot at the same time. And the guy that was speaking on it said that it was well known just in his little office, I guess, is what you... Because it's so compartmentalized out there. People don't know who's out mm-hmm, there. And, mm-hmm. But they, it was well known in his unit that that's what they did and why they did it. And it was like, you know, the old like war movies, like this red flashing light would go off, like, here comes the fucking mm-hmm. satellite. Y'all better get your shit off the runway. Mm-hmm. So I think, yes, the underground bases do exist. Absolutely. They have to. And I think also, though... I believe this was the early 90s was the time when the black budget got national attention. And that whole thing with they paid $60,000 for a toilet seat and $50,000 for a hammer came out. Yeah. So I think he had the ends on that as well. I would love to have seen the photographs and the letters from his dad. Yeah, that'd be, that, that would be uh, very important to corroborate his story. And if you think about it, he's stating that the firefight that ripped him open was in 79. He continued to work for the military 
and didn't start speaking until 93 or 91. And I don't think he did it over the entire 15 years. I think, and this is just my opinion, and if you don't like it, you can kiss my ass, but I think he didn't start collecting information and probably until the last couple of years where he very, he got real disgruntled. Well, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you're right, but again, it's just how believable is it? How can we, I mean. On one hand, you have Dodie convincing this poor bastard aliens are talking to him and he's going to, they eventually convict, you know, make him crazy and he commits suicide. On the other hand, you have Snyder out there who probably has all the evidence and you don't have, I know towards the end of that article, I stated that some of his family come out and said he was full of shit and he was paranoid and all that other stuff. But that, mm-hmm. that's going to happen with any of these guys. Yeah. I mean, if you want your family to maintain some sort of normalcy, you're going to discredit the crazy guy talking about aliens. Yeah, Uncle Uh, Phil's crazy. Y'all shouldn't listen to him. Don't listen to Uncle Phil. He'll tell you a wild tale. Like, yeah. I think that uh, the Star Wars thing, I don't know if... I think it was hard to swallow when I was a kid when it first came out that they were going to do this Star Wars program to shoot down nuclear weapons. I think it was more believable they were building something out there. And, you know, I always wondered, and this is just not since this episode, or, or because we're doing this episode, but I always wondered, what the fuck are they taking on these shuttles? Mm-hmm. You know, that was before the the space station, too. Well, and, and this is around uh, not too long after, you know, President Reagan gave that speech about how how quickly we'd forget our problems and come with together. each other. Yeah. And how quickly we would come together as a species if we were under attack by an alien force. You know, why why speak about that unless... And supposedly that whole treaty with Eisenhower, there's rumors. Well, there's not... I guess you could call it a rumor. There's stories out there and there's articles you can read about. Basically, he was going to take one division of the army and they were going to invade area 51 if someone didn't come talk to him. Mm-hmm. And that's when they flew him out there. Mm-hmm. And then there's a story about Nixon, uh, knowing about area 51 and, you know, him meeting with otherworldly entities. There's that whole J rod. I don't know, man. I think you're talking about valiant Thor as well. Yeah. Man. Look into that, people. I don't know so much. Now, I'm not saying that this has never happened because I guarantee you this shit has happened. I don't... You guarantee it. You guarantee it. Well, hear me out and you'll be like, yeah, probably so. Where Where he stated that they sent the Delta Force over to Bosnia and basically they started shooting people from each side to start the conflict. I think that shit happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Now, whether or not it happened... No doubt. Whether or not it happened in Bosnia, I don't know. I would like to know about the first World Trade Center bombing, where he says that there was molten. The steel was extended up to six feet longer than it should have been, and there was puddled or melted concrete. So that I find that intriguing. I also I don't know about the the Oklahoma City bombing. If you didn't they take something on MythBusters one time? Like a fraction of the Oklahoma City bombing nitrate and blow that damn cement mixer up. 
Uh, they did blow a cement mixer up, but I don't know if they necessarily used the same material that was used at Oklahoma City. I was wondering. I but think they did somebody blow the fuck out of that cement, and they were like a mile and a half away when yeah. that thing went off. Yeah, I think if it wasn't them, somebody's done like a a smaller thing of the the Oklahoma City bombing thing. I don't believe his. I don't believe his claims that a twenty thousand pound fertilizer bomb in a rider truck wouldn't have absolutely destroyed the the Murrah building though. Mm-hmm. You put 20,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate and diesel fuel in there. I'm pretty sure you're going to take off the front of a bucking building. It'll make a boom. Yeah. It'll it'll boom for you. I don't, I don't If that's your goal. If your goal is to make a boom, it'll make a boom. <laughs> uh the black helicopters, I think that that's something, but again, you can't find anything about black helicopters. Well, you, you that's cuz they're black. If you refer to our my favorite episode, uh, my favorite case, once we interviewed the man, Mr. Subrink talked said, about yeah, he a saw, black yeah. helicopter. He said that it was floating above his apartment. True. So. Um, AIDS is a bioweapon. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't think it was made from alien excretions, but I don't think that came from nature. I just, I can't buy into that. I just can't. I can't do it. It just, I don't know. That's the, 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 the rumor, the rumors about that shit. Oh God, they're crazy. Just so outrageous that, that if they are true, it's just. I have no faith in humanity. Yeah, there's nothing left. It's just. Yeah. I think that may be a lot of this case that he touched on stuff that, that makes you, and that may have been his ultimate goal, not. To make you believe everything his, he stated in it. And I'd have to go back and find it exactly. But he had stated somewhere in the whole thing that I read that he was hoping that people would do their own, their own homework. And the only avenue they had was the Freedom of Information Act. But they could go to congressional law uh, books and find stuff that kind of went around with some of the Freedom of Information Act stuff. Maybe his goal, and I'll finish my thought, maybe his goal was not really to make you believe everything lock, stock, and barrel. Maybe his goal was to make you fucking start doing your homework. I don't know. That's a good question. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is whatever he was saying. It got him killed. It got him killed. Because, and we didn't really dive into this as as well as we probably should have. But people, they didn't find that catheter wrapped around his neck until after his wife wanted to see the body. And then the funeral home director found it and called the coroner. They didn't even know that. That's how tight the catheter was wrapped around his neck. And like she stated, you can't convince me he had that kind of strength. Because I think it was well documented. He couldn't raise his his arms very high because his shoulders were so jacked up. I don't think he had the di- the digital dexterity. Right, and that's what she said. He's she said he digits. would he would have to have held that catheter with an index finger and thumb on his left hand, and then somehow raise his right hand and shoulder above where he was comfortable to do it, and tie it around his neck so tightly that you're going to suffocate to death. I just don't. Mm-hmm. And like she said, why do that when you've got you got a nine millimeter pistol. You have a plethora. There's my word <laughs> of drugs that you're on that you could have just made yourself a cocktail and fell asleep. Yeah, if given the option, I'm falling asleep. I'm falling asleep, guaranteed. 
yeah, I'm not, I'm not strike. I'm, I do not want to suffocate. No, 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 no. But again, going back to the catheter, it was wrapped so tightly around his neck. And there's autopsy photos out there, and they're nasty. Yeah. That show they have to like. He was not a very skinny man, so he had a a double chin. So you, they have to lift the skin from his neck, and it's way up in there, like way up in there. I just don't, I don't believe he committed suicide. I think he probably touched on something that they were like, nope, uh-uh, we cannot have that shit coming out. You're done, buddy. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's possible that he was just spouting off. Okay, I'm not discrediting the man, but I'm just going to say it. There's a chance that he was just full, so full of shit, and he was making up everything that he, everything he said was made up. But he made up something that actually... You like know. yeah, like the old saying, I'm gonna take a bucket full of shit and I'm gonna throw it against the wall and whatever yeah. don't stick, I'm gonna throw it up there again. Yeah, like he made up something that happened to be true and the government was like, Okay, he's done. Well, it's kinda like in if and if any of our listeners don't think that shit happens, it's kinda like the hunt for Red October. And when it went to the publisher before the first copy was printed, he was brought in on espionage charges he was brought in under threat of espionage tr- charges and they wanted to know how he knew how he knew about the <laughs> stuff and yeah. he was like i just made it up because i used to be in the navy <laughs> and then he would tell the story. he didn't tell it often but he would tell the story that he didn't know what he made up that was true but something in that book was true mm-hmm. i did you know, I just, I don't know, man, this, this whole case, this whole topic, topic, <laughs> topic is crazy. So final thoughts, your opinion, let's start with Dulce. Let's start with Benowitz. Okay. We kind of wrapped him up earlier, but let's wrap him. Let's go ahead and give our final. That's a very sad thing that happened to him. And it's a very, I think that he. Stumbled upon something he wasn't supposed to know, and they took advantage of it. And they decided to go a different route. You know, they're like, "Well, we've Instead we've done the whole, we, we've yeah. done the whole men in black thing where we we intimidate, and that's not seeming to work. We've done the whole like let's instead let's embrace it and use it and try to you know see what happens. And I think they did, and he paid the ultimate price for it. I agree with that. I think that. I still think Richard Doty's a piece of shit for letting it go that long. But we appreciate you listening. Yeah, Mr. Doty, I don't think you're out there, but Coach does. Okay, so now let's get into Dulce as a base. I don't know. I mean, I think that there's... um, There's something there. There's definitely something there. There's definitely underground bases. There's definitely tons of things that we as normal citizens are not privy to. And I think that it's a necessary thing of government i mean just you know i don't think that conducting evil is good or doing starting wars and all that stuff but i'm sure that the people behind it have a reason and whatever reason they 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 have you know i think it's odd that you don't hear a lot from the the apache reservation out there about it i know and there's a couple of tv shows where they're like here we'll take you this far but you're on your own after that Mm -hmm. There's some pictures of vents in the side of the mesa. There's some antenna and some pipes going into places. So, I mean, there's something underground, definitely. 
Yeah, but whether it's alien seven bases, and yeah, or seven levels, whether and, it's a nefarious thing is just it. Just I don't know. I mean, I can't say. I think those types of bases are out there. That might be Dulce. It might not be Dulce. So, um, I would look at Phil Schneider and tell you to your face that he's full of shit. If it weren't for his scars, yeah. The, look up his. Just look. One of his video lectures, he he raises his shirt, and it's horrific. Yeah, horrific wound. So that's that's my stance on him. It's like I just, I mean, uh, really, an alien war. We had a war with alien species on Earth. It's just, it's so far fetched, and I know that we. Both of us believe in Sasquatch, so what the fuck do we know? <laughs> but it is that a far-fetched thing? But again, he's got scars to prove it, man. But man, does he have the scars to prove it? And I and I'm sure I've not researched uh, possible all I know, causes. Of all his I know, scars. all I know for a fact is our audience, the type of people our audience is, would look at his scars and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, Phaser gun could do that." Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think. It would take somebody uncovering a horrendous electrical current accident to produce something like that to make me believe that he didn't encounter what he said he encountered. Uh, yeah, it's possible that that's what happened, too, is he just was part of an accident and decided, hey, man, look at all. I'm just going to use this horrific scars i got to my advantage and i'm gonna go on tour and he wasn't making a ton of money though yeah know? that's a good point too it's like what how much he was money living in an apartment how much money is there in a fucking i saw alien circuit you know yeah like like early 90s too like come on that's a good point he didn't i mean he was not very wealthy i mean and like his wife said she uncovered that he had two social security numbers yeah and that leads credence to the bob lazar thing where they keep saying well there's no record of us ever paying him that well hell if you issue the man another social security number there won't be mm -hmm. and that may be a good uh, thing that they've actually you know that he not purposely uncovered but his wife uncovered yeah I just hope for his daughter's sake that she is able to get his pension or his benefits or something. I mean, it's, I don't know, man. I I would hate to know my son had to go through that after my death. But again, you know, he was in a tiny little apartment. I guess my, I just go back to that. He was in a tiny little apartment. It wasn't really government housing, but I think it was low-income housing, government-subsidized housing. And obviously, he wasn't being followed up on because they didn't discover his body for a week. Yeah. Well, maybe that was on purpose. Yeah, that's true. But, all right, so recommendations. Do you have anything? Because I can go first if you want me go to. Go for it. I don't really have anything. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to recommend, and I think I sent this to you yesterday. The I haven't watched that yet. That video? You Kamar Debon incident. Yeah, yes. I need to watch that. I don't know what that's about. And it's the the YouTube channel is the Kadabar or Kadabar channel. Hold mm -hmm. on. It may play. I apologize if it does. And it's a story about seven hikers in the Kamar Daban Mountains in 1993. 
that died under extremely crazy circumstances. It's not a very long video. Oh, it's 20 I, minutes and 26 yeah, I seconds. I think I've sent you, I, I know that, I think I've sent you a video on that at some point, but I just didn't remember. Yeah, like just they start dying out of nowhere. They're just walking. And yep. then all of a sudden. All of them drop dead except one. Yeah. And she, yeah, that's that's a wild ass story. But they've got a, he's got a lot of stuff on his channel that's awesome. So mm. there's a new Bigfoot documentary that has come out on the Bigfoot Odyssey channel as well. If you'd like to check that out, Bigfoot Odyssey. It's called the new Bigfoot document documentary. <laughs> I've not watched it. That's a very creative name. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's called the new Bigfoot documentary. <laughs> Uh, I don't have a recommendation. I can't think of nothing. So I'm just going to recommend uh, going back and listening to our old podcasts. Go back and hear hear us all over again. We have a new super fan that has recently discovered us on Instagram, and I meant to give her a shout-out at the beginning of the episode, but I will give her a shout-out now. Her screen name on Instagram is The Fierce Wolf Soul, and nice. she has... That is an awesome name. She has... Like within two or three days, she has liked every photo, and I guarantee you she's probably 30 episodes deep. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But man, it's, it's, let's just, let's, let's call it because it is freezing in this basement. I promise you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, y'all have a lovely Super Bowl Sunday, and you will hear this within a couple of days, so it's kind of relevant, but, uh, deuces.